but mm-hmm. it wasn't staying true to the story. I just had to stay true to what I was given. Mm-hmm. When I did that, it just flowed. We need to just write the story and write it yes. as we're being given yeah. it. But at the end of the day, we are cultivating a piece of art for mm-hmm. somebody to enjoy. And we have to be true to that art form. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I welcome Nicole Patrice Thomas to join me. And Nicole has published a number of books, not just her fiction which we will be talking mostly about today, but also a children's book, some poetry, a couple of journals. So you've got quite a collection going on here so far, which is exciting mm-hmm. because I believe you've self-published all of it, right? Yes, I did. Okay, so it's going to be an interesting conversation I think that we're going to get into today. I think you have experience that others of us don't have. You've gone down the self-publishing route in a couple different formats and You've been in this publishing industry a little bit longer than some of us. And so I think we're going to learn a lot from you today. And I appreciate you being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. So before we dive too much into all the questions I have for you, because I have quite a few, I wanted to just give you a quick second to just give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you write. Well, my name, like Rachel said, is Nicole Patrice Thomas, and I write Christian fantasy I also write children's picture books. I started writing poetry when I was a teenager, so I do have a small compilation of poetry that is out. And I call it a pocket poetry book because it's about that big. <laughs> and then a journal as well. It's really, it's blank pages with some inspirational quotes on the pages. Just, you know, there for people who need a little judgment-free zone to write. Oh, I love that. A judgment-free zone to write. I think we all could use that. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to make sure people can find your books on Amazon, right? Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, Walmart. It's on a couple of different platforms, okay. ebook, paperback, and hardback. Awesome. All right. So right now, I want to jump into this question of just like, how did you even get to this point where you started self-publishing these books? Yeah. So I started writing poetry when I was a little kid. And my whole life, I always hear people say, oh, you should write a book. You should put these poems in a book. It's so good. This, that, and the third. And I'm just like, yeah. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. And it was really never on my heart to write a book. Mm-hmm. Just never saw myself doing it. And then in 2019, I kind of hit a wall in my mm-hmm. personal life, my professional life. And I was just kind of floating aimlessly, didn't know what I was doing. My career, I loved what I was doing, but I had capped out. There was no more room for me to be promoted anymore unless my general manager retired. And he wasn't planning on doing that. So yeah. it was either, you know, find a new job. That mm-hmm. really wasn't going to offer me the same things that I had really, I needed at that time, or I just stayed in and stick it out. Mm-hmm. So in January of 2020, my pastor, who also happens to be my father, I'm a PK. Oh, um, cool. He preached a message on being ready to move when God says move. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the altar that Sunday. I said, I'm ready to move. I was like, so you're going to have to tell me which way to go because I'm kind of stagnant right now. And I don't like this feeling of mm-hmm. being purposeless. Mm-hmm. And uh, that same week, two o'clock in the morning, woke me up and I literally heard the voice of this woman. I saw her running through the forest, pregnant. I heard her heavy breathing, the fear in her voice. And I started writing what I wow. saw. And so I wrote nonstop for 30 days. And that was book one in the series. Oh, I love that testimony because I think Sometimes we can get kind of caught up in like the craft of writing or the business of writing. And for those mm-hmm. of us who are Christians, like there is a spiritual side of stewarding creation, yeah. stewarding creating 
And I think that sometimes we, we forget to invite God into the creative process. We try to do it all on our own strength. So I love Mm -hmm. the fact that you're like, you got to show up, you got to help me out. And he did. And through the whole process. Because I mean, you know, as a writer, we all get writer's block. Mm -hmm. And when I started writing book two in the series, I hit writer's block a lot. People had read the first book and they were like, is this person going to fall in love with this person? Is this going to be this happening? So I tried to kind of cater to some of that stuff, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't staying true to the story. And Mm -hmm. so then I would have to stop, say, okay, God, where is this character going? What's going to happen? And it was only when I did that that I would get the next couple of chapters. And so there really is no romance in the books. It's not there, but I just had to stay true to what I was given. Mm-hmm. When I did that, it just flowed. And mm-hmm. the whole series was done in a little over a year. And it's good. How many books are in the series? It's three books. Yeah, it's okay. three books in the series. And then the I did an omnibus at the end. So it has okay. all three books in one, plus two bonus short stories. Because I had some readers asking, you know, well, how did this character get to this point? Yeah. And it turned out that the main character of the series wasn't the main character. Ah. It turned out another character completely stole the show. So I did two backstories for two characters that kind of took over (laughs) with a life of their own. I love that. In the book, Putting Head Wilson by Mark Twain, he talked, there's the whole book. But at the very end, he puts in this, like, author's note and he talks about his characters taking over the story and I remember reading that as a kid and being like oh my gosh this happens to other people too (laughs) it feels a little weird to talk about it to other people who don't understand it but those of us who write novels it it totally makes sense so January 2020 you got this Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic happened right afterwards did you just kind of like buckle down and go this route or did you have to like navigate that like what did you do what? I wasn't furloughed until about June okay. of 2020 and my boss he was amazing like he knew I was writing a book I didn't hide it so I was sitting at my desk and I wrote it in Google Docs so I'm sitting at my desk on my phone <laughs> and I'm typing the story because I worked at the airport nobody was flying oh, nothing was happening you really and didn't then, have anything to do no nothing <laughs> at all so this series turned out to be did my you, silver lighting did you say you were writing like writing it on your phone yeah, I wrote the whole first book in Google Docs on my phone. On like swiping, text, typing. Yeah. That's dedication. <laughs> I will say, because I barely can do social media posts on my phone. I can just type so much faster on my computer. Yeah. So I can't yeah. even imagine, but I'm sure you didn't have the ability to just have your computer there. Exactly. And he was a big supporter of it. He bought one of the first copies and it just worked out. So 2020, I had nothing else to do. So yeah. I wrote all three books in that first oh, year. Oh, you just did them all at one time? Right back to back. So did you write them all first and then go about publishing it? So I okay. wrote them all first. I published the first book in 30 days. And being a new author, I didn't think I have to get this professionally editing. I have to get a professional cover. I was just so excited that I just went right and found KDP, got yeah. my copyright, my ISDN. And I just put it out into the world. And it got ripped apart. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh, it oh. really did. And sadly, that first review, if you go on Amazon and you look up the reviews, okay. like a five paragraph review and forever there. <laughs> so I took it down. I hired a professional editor. I got a pre-designed cover. But the site, when you buy the cover, they remove it. So nobody else can use it. Did was- you use 99design? Cover zone. It's awesome. I, I love my cover now. 
Like the first cover I had was great. A lot of people did like it, but it wasn't genre specific enough. So I redid it and I put it back out after a month or so. It's doing so much better. It's won several awards. The last one was just last year. New York's for New York State. It won the in the author award. So it's really good. Congratulations. So do you think that first criticism was warranted or do you think it was a disconnect from the cover and the story? A bit of both. It was a disconnect from the cover to the story because the cover was very dark and mm-hmm. ominous. And while the story does have, you know, it's good versus evil, it's not that big. Right. Then there were some grammatical errors and then it was little things like I got the part of the sword, the name wrong, things like that. So it's partially warranted, partially nitpicking. But everybody has their own opinion. That's true. So I want to circle back to the moment where you decided to self-publish. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you were so excited. Did it ever cross your mind to try to get it traditionally published? Never. Not one. And why not? It didn't occur to me. And as, as much as I try to think about, you know, why didn't I? It literally never occurred to me. When I looked up publishing, KDP was the most common platform to publish through. For me, it was the natural route to take. And then years later, I did try to query one of the kids' books. I did try to query and all that. And it's a long process and there's no guarantee. While that's great for some people, I just want to write, you know? You just want to write. You just want to get it out there. Get it out there for the world. So you published the first book and then the other two books, did you publish them pretty quickly after that, after you redid that book and relaunched it. Did the other two come out pretty quickly? Yeah, they all came out within like six months of each other. And you've won awards and it's been very well received. That's amazing. I love the fact that you just trusted your gut and you just went the route that you wanted to and just went with it. And you just were so excited to share the story. I just, I love that. I love that about this conversation. So I do want to pivot a little bit because I think that we need to have a conversation about the publishing industry and the books that we're publishing, especially in the Christian market, where Mm -hmm. we don't really have a wide representation of diversity of minority groups. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to get your take on that. What experience do you have with that? Any observations you have? Do you include minority characters in your writing? I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah. With the first book, I honestly, again, didn't think about it. I just wrote the characters. So I didn't place much emphasis on physical description. And that was brought to my attention. Readers did say that it was hard for them to picture the characters because there isn't much more description other than hair color or eye color or things like that. In the second book, I was more specific about some of the characters. So the shaman, he is black. He's got stark white locks. In the third book, I introduced a lot more characters. So you have characters with like scaly skin, you have characters with fangs and just like different attributes that they were gifted as Mm -hmm. part of the magical system in the world that they live in. But I didn't go into writing thinking all my characters need to be Black, all my characters have to have some type of disability or representation or anything like that. I just wrote Mm -hmm. the story. The characters were the characters, they were who they were. I think the message was more important than what they looked like. And the series is based off of Joshua 1-9, Be Strong and Courageous. And you'll see that throughout the whole story, whether it's a mom's paraphrasing it to her kids or just in different places, it's constantly repeated. For me, it was more important, the message than the characters. I think it goes back to what you are saying earlier, when you're like, when you started to try to tweak the book to fit what people were asking you about, it kind of yeah. lost its 
its power behind it. So I do think there's a level of that, that we need to just write the story and write it as we're being given Given. it. I do think that's really important. I mean, we have to keep our reader in mind when we're thinking about our story because they're going to want to read it. But at the end of the day, we are cultivating a piece of art for Mm -hmm. somebody to enjoy and we have to be true to that art form. And so I think that's really wise what you said there. When you look at what's being published in the Christian market, do you see that there's a lack of diversity or are you thinking that it's not necessarily a problem? Honestly, there is a lack of diversity. And the majority of the books that I read are biblical fiction. And most of them are going to be set in the Middle East and Israel. And you're going to have very light-skinned people on the mm-hmm. cover and you may have some darker people portrayed in the book but they aren't going to be main characters biblically that may not be historically accurate but that's what's out there in the fiction world in general i grew up reading like c.s lewis those types of books so again not much diversity but the message was there i I think there's a trend where it's going towards more inclusion and more diversity. I don't know how long it'll take to be fully immersive, in, but slowly it's working on there. Like I go through my Instagram feed and I look at the authors that I'm following and there's more of us coming. Mm-hmm. Mainly in the children's book field, though. Um, oh, interesting. Young adults, I think it's going to be a little slower to reach market strength. But the mm-hmm. kids' picture books, there's a strong, strong diversity movement going on. And why do you think that is? Um, well, honestly, I think adults are so set in our ways. Not to say we're a lost cause, but the next generation <laughs> is going to be easier to influence. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing a lot more books, the kids' books that I wrote. It's about a little brown skin girl on the cover. You're seeing more and more of those. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's not just Black kids that you see in the cover, though. It's Asian. It's South Pacific. It's mm-hmm. disabled. It's just right. across the spectrum. So... I have noticed that there are a few smaller publishers that are trying to step into those spaces that are publishing specific minority-based literature or minority writers. They're trying to support them in publishing that. Do you think that that's a helpful move or do you think that it's kind of hindering the growth overall of the publishing industry? Like, should we be hoping that the big publishers are doing that? Or do we need these smaller publishers to kind of make a movement happen? We need all of it. Mm. If you have enough little people, you'll have a big group. It just takes individual raindrops to make a store. So you just need enough of the little ones and they can influence change for the big ones or just make them look bad enough that they have no choice but to do it. True. Do you think it's harder for an author that is from a minority group? to get represented by a literary agent or a publisher? Do you think that it's a harder route for them to go through? I do. Um, Why do you think that is? I just think it's systemic. It's mm. just been ingrained that lighter skin characters do better in the market. Like I said, I was pitching. I have a children's book that I'm having illustrated myself. I'm going to self-publish it. I kept getting rejected. My children's book is called The Flower Girls. And if you go on Amazon and you look up flower girl books, they're all blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm like, well, obviously there's a market for this. It's not getting picked up. When I post about it, I get such an overwhelmingly good response from people of color about it. Story, I was in the hospital with preterm labor. I just had my son last year. 
the nurse who took care of me, chatting, talking about what we did. I told her about the book. She had already bought the book. She had already bought it because the little girl on the cover looked like her niece who was at a wedding and she Uh wanted to give it to her. Sadly, it's not about a wedding. And so that's when I started doing my research and find out there's a gap here. And while there are books about weddings that were published years ago, currently, it's going to be very hard to find one that's Mm. featuring a brown character. And so I wrote it. But like I said, it just keeps getting rejected. It's a good story, but we don't have a fit for it in our company right now. Or it's nice, but it's just not right for me. Okay, fine. (laughs) And my guess is they're coming at it from a business decision of we only have, I mean, it's hard to get kids books published because they're, they're more costly to produce because they're mm-hmm. color. Yes. They're full exactly. color. And yes. so the, every page costs the publisher more. I don't think people always know this, like until you get into it, especially when you start going the self-publishing route, you start to know all these yes. little nuanced things. And you're like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense now. But like with children's yeah. books, every page out of that children's book is so expensive for them to print that it's really hard, even though there's a high demand for children's books, it's really hard for them to recoup that cost. So they're going to make the decision to only publish a few a year to begin with. And like, let's be honest, Christian publishers don't publish much children's literature to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's more of the ABA market that has the children's literature in it or children's picture books in it. And so you have that already, like already scaled down, right? We're Christian in the Christian publishing industry. We're not going to publish that many. And then you get to the individual publisher and they're like, well, maybe I'll do like one or two titles. And then they're going to go into, well, if we're going to publish something, it's going to be going to fit a certain mold that we know is going to sell. And we know it's going to probably be something really, really spiritual, right? (laughs) And it's going to probably be something that just appeals to an assumption. I think it's a poor assumption that just because a child with brown skin is on the cover is not going to appeal to the masses. That is such a, like you said, a systemic racist thought process that has like just infiltrated and unfortunately is something that people are trying to combat against and it's just a it's a long road it's an uphill battle yeah yeah what advice would you have to a person of color who is thinking about getting into the publishing industry would you steer them away from traditional publishing or would you say hey put your hat in the ring and try it because we need just a constant going up and pitching Definitely. When anybody asks me about, I never say don't go traditional. I just say consider all options mm. because there's so many routes that you could take. There's traditional, there's hybrid, self-publishing. You can do any of those as yeah. long as they're reputable. Even within traditional, there's different like levels. Yeah. You've got like the big five, but then you have your smaller presses, indie publishers that are fitting more of the different niches. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you just ha- you have to do your research and you have to figure out what feels right to you. If you're going to go traditional or for those small publishers, make sure you're following the pitch days. You can get into the Twitter pitch wars and really open yourself up. Learn from people, get those frequent critiques when they're offered. You have to really focus and be sure that's what you want to do. And then at the same time, if it doesn't work out, because you could be waiting a year, two years, however long to get that one yes, decide if you want to self-publish it yourself. And then what goes into that? I want to do a course eventually mm. on what it takes to self-publish. So I wrote everything that I've done over the last three years. I wrote it all down. I just tell them, do your research, find out which market is best for you, which direction is best for you, and then go at it 100%. Mm. That is 
very wise advice that you just gave us there. I think that people need to hear that you have to weigh all your options and pick the best one. They're all valid valid routes. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. need to pick which works best for you, for your story, you. Exactly. and the reader that you're trying to serve. I'm curious. You're like, I documented it. I did everything. Like I put it all down, what I've done. And we're, one day I'm going to be teaching this to people. What are some mm-hmm. of the things that you did as far as marketing goes that helped you sell your books? I do best face-to-face mm. as far as marketing goes. I think that's in the authors. We're going to sell the most books face-to-face. But before you can get to face-to-face, you have to network. Mm-hmm. So social media is really important. Before I started writing, I was such an introvert. <laughs> I did not want to be in crowds. I didn't want to talk to strangers. I didn't want I to think I'm the majority of writers. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. We want to be alone with a pen and a book. Like, yeah. that's it. But the pandemic gave me an opportunity to come out of my comfort zone without really coming out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So everything now was online. And so you build up your social media platform. That really helped me. I was able to meet so many people who gave me tips and tricks and introduced me to other people who were able to help me further Mm -hmm. along my craft. So network, network, network is important. And then depending on what type of book they're writing, find out where your readers are. So children's book, you want to connect with schools and educators and you want to connect Mm -hmm. with libraries and even doctor's offices sometimes, depending on what you're writing. Wherever there are children, that's where you want to be. Adult fiction, my Christian fantasy series, I approached, again, educators, but also churches, church bookstores, independent bookstores. So you, you want to find your reader and go where they are. That's good advice. When you're saying getting in front of people, are you talking about like in-person events or are you talking about like things like this where you're just now this, in front of a new audience? This is how I started. Mm-hmm. Podcast interviews, going live on Instagram. I did so many that first year. Just trying to get out there, just talking to people. I had no idea really what I was doing, but you talk to people and you learn as you go. This is a great way to stick your toes into that marketing. It doesn't take a whole lot, just good lighting, good internet, and another person to talk to. That's how you start. Yeah. Do you have any advice for somebody who is trying to pitch themselves to be on a podcast or Instagram Live with somebody? Is there any advice you would have for them? with how to even get that interaction? Um, You have to start small first. So if I see somebody that they have a a large podcast or they go live a lot, then I'm going to watch their Instagram page. I'm going to comment and interact on it there and make sure that their content is similar to my content. Their message is similar to mine so that I know we'll have something to talk about. Then eventually that connection is made. And you can either, hey, do you want to go live today? Can we do something together? You send out that question first. Are you doing that contact just through your DMs or an email or? I Mainly it's DM. That's how I do it. There's a person behind each profile. Did you do any other marketing besides getting in front of people? Did you run ads? Did you do something totally outside of the box? I wasted a lot of money on ads. Facebook, Instagram ads, Amazon ads. Brian Cohen has like a whole Amazon course. I did that that. a couple of times. And uh, while I learned a lot, I still ended up losing a lot of money. And I'm like, I don't have money to be just tossing the wind like that. So ads didn't really work out for me. Now I have maybe two or three ads running that I just leave. And it's only for the kids books. Because it's doing well. 
that's a good business principle. If something's not bringing you a return on your investment, you need to pivot and move on. And then you'll be surprised because I really thought the English version of my kids' book will do the best. And it's the Spanish version, oh, which is very interesting to hear. So for that Spanish version, do you speak Spanish? Were you able to write it or did you have to have it translated? I had it translated. Did you hire somebody? Did you have a friend? How did that happen? I had a friend through my church. She's a, a native um, Spanish speaker. Well, she was so excited when I talked to her about it. She was just like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And then she just, she ran with the idea. She was like, oh, you should do this. So she has so many ideas that she wants to do with me. Somewhere down the line, we'll do more work. So she translated the story for me. And it's doing so well. I, like I said, I was very surprised. That's really cool. And I think there's something valuable to pull out of that moment that you just shared for our listeners is to... Ask friends for help. People are talented and people want to assist you. Sometimes I think we get up in our heads that it has to be professional or I feel awkward asking somebody to help me out on something. And it's like, no, people love you. They want to support you. And if they can be a part of it, it's fun for them. And you'll be surprised how many people. And I don't know if you compensated her, but I do know that a lot of people are willing to do stuff for you for free. And then you can just gift something to them. I know you're willing to do this for free, but I value your time. So let me compensate you for it. You'll be surprised how many people who just want to help you. And people are resources. So use the resources. So is this your full-time job? Is this your full-time thing? I wish it was. Right now, it is simply because I'm unemployed. I'm looking for a job. So I'm just taking advantage and this time again and writing more. So you do need something to kind of supplement your income at yes. the moment. There's You're only really two ways yes. to scale a business. You either have to, if you have a lower ticket priced item, which as novelists, that's what we have, right? We have these mm-hmm. low ticket products. We have to sell more, Not right? Yet. That's how you grow. And it's really mm-hmm. hard to do when you're a smaller author trying to get yeah. your name out in the world and you don't have big recognition yet. And so it's yeah. just, it's hard to make it sustainable. I'm still trying to crack the code on that because I'm like, there's got to be something we can do. We have to be able to figure out how to do wholesale with those bulk orders. That's what I'm working on right now. Okay. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. So you'll notice on my website, it says that I'm a minority woman-owned business, MWG. And what that means is that I am certified in the state of New York. So you'll find a lot of like big corporations are trying to, along with this trend of working with minority Business, mm-hmm. they want to focus on contracts for those. So okay. like the school system, they may specifically want to award a contract to one of those businesses for a product that they make. Books isn't high, unfortunately, on that list yet. Okay. So you'll find caterers or anybody who does like construction, those type of things. They are specifically looking for those minority run businesses. So I got certified because you can never have too many opportunities. I don't want to miss an opportunity. This was a free certification, so it doesn't cost me anything to do. That's a really valuable tidbit there. If you find yourself in a similar situation, I'm talking to the listener now. If you find yourself in a similar situation, you pursue it. Give yourself options. Keep the door open on different things. Exactly. Another way is I'm looking at charter schools to become a vendor with the charter schools. Again, it's a free application. doesn't guarantee a sale, but it puts me in the room. I want to sell my books to schools. The children book has an activity book that goes with it. Reading, comprehension, coloring, letter tracing, science, and art. So it's a full curriculum 
ah. the teachers can add on in their classroom. That's what I want to do for like pre-K to third grade. That's really good. I like how you're thinking. You're thinking like an entrepreneur. You're not thinking, I know this is going to sound really judgy. You're not thinking like a writer. You're thinking like an entrepreneur. The thing with writers we tend to do is we get caught up in our heads, in our world, right? In yeah. our story world. And we love our world and we don't want to exit our world to think mm -hmm. about it in this bigger picture of how am I going to make money off of this thing? Because unless mm -hmm. you're having the money come in, you can't really continue. A book sale equals the fact that you've impacted somebody, right? And if you're not yeah. making those book sales, you're not getting that impact that you really want. Yeah. And you need the income to continue making that book. You know, it's a cyclical yes. thing. So I love that fact that you're like, let me think outside the box. Let me think about what I can do and what I can do to take it beyond just publishing a novel yep. and take it yep. to the next level. That's really wise. As we wrap up, because we are running out of time, which is really sad to me because I really enjoy talking with you, Nicole. But as we wrap up, I just was wondering if you had two things. Do you have a business or marketing tip for people who are self-publishing? And then second, do you just have any words of advice for somebody who's new to this publishing world? Invest in yourself. Like you said, I see my writing as a business and input output. What you put in is exactly what you're going to get out. So if you don't mm -hmm. put a lot of time in, it's going to show. You don't have to put all your money in, but you want to invest in quality stuff because it's your brand. It's going to represent you. And when people see that, they're going to be seeing you and ultimately they're going to be seeing Christ. So you want to make sure that what you put out is a good reflection of both of them. And then you would tell them to first just write and worry about everything else later. I would say this, like get the story out and then focus on the business part of it afterwards. So you want to get your message out. You want to put it down on paper. And once you can see it on paper, then, you know, you'll have a better idea of where to go from there. So at what point do you think they should start worrying about the business side? I would say when you're about halfway done and when okay. you have a cover. Even before the book is done, start talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a cover, start posting about it. So people are aware so that they can build excitement with you. Okay. So that when it's out, they're like, oh, finally, finally, it's here, it's here. And you'll have a party together. Yeah, exactly. So I believe what you're saying is, if you get an idea, get it on paper, flush it out, start making it have life. But don't wait too long into the process to start talking about it and start getting yes. people. Once you know that this is something you're going to want to share with the world, start yeah. sharing about it. Exactly. I have things that are half finished and I talked about it, but because I know it's not going to be out anytime soon, I don't really talk about it too much. But my next kid's book, I talk about that more because okay. I'm 100% certain that's going to be out fairly soon. There you have it. That is a lot. Of, that's a really great timeline to follow because I do know there's people who are like, I don't want to think about this until I absolutely have to, meaning the business and marketing side of it. And they wait too long. They're like, oh, it's for sale. And people are like, whoa, where, exactly. where did that right. come from? But then there's the flip side where people are like, oh, I know I want to write novels. And you're like, okay, well, do you have a novel idea? And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> well, get yourself a novel well, idea for yeah. I believe people are writers, even if they haven't ever finished a book. You want a career as a writer. You got to have a plan. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. what I think distinguishes those two. 
Well, Nicole, I really have enjoyed talking to you. I keep looking at your covers on the back wall and I'm like, I got to go grab the first one. I'm intrigued now. Can you let our listeners where they can find you, your website, your social, and can you state the titles of your books just so that they know what to go look for? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Nicole Patrice T. Same name on all platforms. My website is NicolePatriceThomas.com. Make it real easy for people to find me. The books are available on Amazon, Barnes Noble, basically wherever ebooks are sold, and hardcovers if you're doing wholesale in Ingram Spark or Amazon. Also, signed copies through my website. I gave those as well. The books are called Tales of El Hanai. That's the Christian fantasy series. It's great for ages about 14 and up. Then the kids' book was called The Flower Girl. It is a lesson on the importance of obedience and consequences. Mm-hmm. It is available in English and Spanish and has a corresponding activity book to go along with it. And then for my people who just want to write a little something or need a little writing space, I have a journal called Oasis. And it's just a space for you to write and bring your hopes and dreams into. I also have an omnibus of the fantasy fairy. I love it. I love it so much. And I think that our listeners are going to enjoy it too. I know there's some of our listeners are going to immediately after listening to go look at your stuff. I love how you just shared your heart for just being true to the story, serving your readers, doing it with excellence for the glory of God. And I just think that that is the thing that we all need to aspire to. We all need to aspire to just be true to the craft of writing, be -hmm. true to the story and do it for God's glory and serve our readers. So I do appreciate you coming in and I just value your time and your experience and your journey and all the things. So thank you very much. Thank you, Rachel. It was great talking to you. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Join us next week as we continue the conversation of the business of Christian fiction. Bye.